Hello, and welcome to This Week at Charlestown Road, a branch of the Heavenbound podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and this is where we reflect on the weekend that was. We dig a little deeper into a recent sermon to give you something to think about as this week unfolds, but also preview what's to come this next weekend at Charlestown Road. Roger, this past Sunday, you kicked off a two-part series on grace. Grace is something that is dominant in the religious community. It's a word we use a lot. It's not exclusively a religious word, and we'll talk about that here in just a minute. But it's something that that when we open our Bibles, the word grace is found especially throughout the New Testament. And so what we looked at is in this first part of a two-part series is grace before salvation. And we were driving at how God saves us through grace. Then the following week, we're going to talk about grace after salvation and to see how that word is used after salvation and that changed life that should come about because of the grace of God. So clearly, you're presenting this as something that we need over the course of our lives. We need grace prior to being saved in, in order to be saved. But once we have been reconciled to God, as you said, this coming Sunday, we'll talk a little bit more about that. We still need grace, lots of grace. Now, before we dive into a couple of practical points from the sermon, you and I both know that it seems like sometimes there are disciples of Jesus who are almost afraid to talk about grace. Why do you think that is? You know, here's the illustration I like to use. Now, it's it's a lot different in our times today. But when I was a kid growing up, there was only one kind of blue jeans you could get. And they were dark blue, and they were stiff as a board. You know, today you buy them, and they're pre-wars. Some of them already have holes in them and, you know, all kinds of stuff. But not way back then. And a person would put them on, and it felt like you had your legs in boards. You could hardly bend them, you know, because they're so stiff. And we would do everything we could just to kind of loosen up those jeans. I knew one guy tied them to his bicycle, rode around a baseball diamond, just kind of <laughs> get those. And, and, and that's the idea I have sometimes when we come to the subject of grace. It's just not comfortable with us. We're, we're afraid to go too far where the religious community goes because they just think that God does it all and we just sit back and enjoy the ride. But then on the other side of that, we, we feel like, okay, I, I believe in grace, but by my practical life, I'm almost living by perfection. And either one, those two extremes make us uncomfortable. And when we read this passage, and this was the heart of our sermon, Ephesians 2, verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and none of yourselves, it is the gift of God. I think for a lot of disciples, we wish God put an asterisk right mm-hmm. there. And at the bottom of your page, they say, now, don't forget, you need to repent, you right. need to be baptized, you need to walk with Jesus. The verse doesn't say that. And to read that verse as the Holy Spirit gave it to us, sometimes makes us uncomfortable because we think, well, now there's more things to it, and there are more things to it. But just to look at the verse as it was originally given to us to understand this, I think it does make us very uncomfortable. And and this is something we should not be uncomfortable with because it's the Word of God, and it's found all over the New Testament. We know, like you said, that there are abuses and misunderstandings of grace all around us, 
But if we allow those misunderstandings to keep us from fully embracing what God has so clearly revealed in his word, we're we're the ones missing out, right? We may have a, a more accurate understanding based on what we find in the writings of the New Testament, but if I understand it and yet fail to fully embrace how amazing God's grace is, Roger, what would you, let, let's say someone is sitting in your office and they're struggling here, they're they're uh, living with a, okay, I hear Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9, but... Um, what are we what are we in danger i should say of missing out on if we don't talk about grace the way god does i think what's going to happen is it it puts us in the corner that you know one of two ways either either we're going to eliminate god's process of salvation and so it's all on me and that's really what ephesians 2 in our lesson was showing us it cannot be on us because we cannot do this and then the other part of it is it puts it all on God and nothing on me. And so we just skip through life not really caring whether we follow the Bible or not because there's grace. And, again, neither one of those ideas are right. And so, you know, the the very idea of grace is that we have gotten ourselves in a mess and we cannot get out. Yeah. And the Bible shows us that in multiple places. Uh, the parable Jesus uses of the uh, unjust steward where he uh, owed 10,000 talents to his master. There's no way possible he could pay that back. He was in such a hole he could not get out. But his master felt compassion and forgave him the debt. That's the biblical uh, picture of what grace really is. And that bothers us, and, and we'll talk about this in just a minute. One of the reasons it bothers us is it just makes us realize you cannot do enough. You cannot be good enough. You are unworthy. And I had so many people tell me this through the years. I just don't feel like a good enough Christian. And the answer is yes, that's right. Or I don't think I'm doing enough. And the answer is yes, that's right. Because we cannot be good enough. We cannot do enough. And so we, we have to have grace in our hearts or else we are, we're running to perfection. And perfection is a terrible place to go because none of us can do it the way God right. wants us to. Grace is not too good to be true. It is true because God has told it. But we are not good enough to stand before God without it. And I, I, I'd love, you know, there are several different aspects of your sermon that we could dig into, but right smack dab in the middle of your interactive outline, you had this box with four basic things about grace we all need to know. I, I'm not sure there's anything that we could talk about here in the middle of the week that is more important than that, even for those who heard the sermon on Sunday. This will hopefully be a kind of oasis in the middle of the week. Why don't you walk us through these four things about grace we all need to know? Well, the number one was grace is God's choice. Uh, and by that, what I was driving at is God does not have to forgive us. He does not owe us forgiveness. Um, I think sometimes we we can have that attitude, well, if I do something wrong, I'll just pray to God about it and he will forgive me, as if he has to. 
He does not have to. Now, your employer, when you work and have, have this agreement that he's going to pay you and he doesn't pay you, well, there's legal rounds you can go because he is supposed to do that. Well, God is not supposed to forgive us. This is his choice. It's based upon love. And so that's where we need to begin with, the idea that this is a gift. And multiple times, and we looked at this in a sermon, in in the book of Corinthians, in the book of Romans, and other places, the Bible describes salvation as a gift of God. Even our Ephesians 2 verse 8 passage reminds us it's a gift. And so you're coming to a party, and you don't have to bring a gift. You do. You do because you care and you love. That's the idea that we begin with with grace. It is God's choice, not our right. And that sure puts things in the right perspective as we think about that. I love how John puts it in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. He loved us first. Now, there are all sorts of implications about that, right? And I have a strong feeling you'll probably talk with us about those implications in your second sermon of this series, Grace After Salvation. But at the bedrock of everything, for instance, John tells us in 1 John about how to live as disciples of Jesus. Here's the cornerstone of it all. God chose to love us first. What a What a great thing for us to anchor ourselves to here in the middle of the week. Number one, grace is God's choice, but you move from there to a second point. And the second point is grace isn't all there is to save us. Now, when we, when we focus on this Ephesians 2 verse 8 passage, we really talked about those two aspects of this. There's God's part, that's grace. By grace, you're saved. But it also says through faith. Faith is our part. And so grace isn't all there is to save us. Uh, if, there, if there was, then everybody would be saved and no one would be lost. But the Bible doesn't teach that. And if God only chose some people to be saved and not everyone else, that wouldn't be fair. So grace is a gift. It's a choice of God. But we have a responsibility upon our part, and that is faith. And what we did in the sermon is we just kind of, we, especially in the second part, when we got to our part, which is faith, we looked at what faith is. Faith is an action. Faith is obedience. I mean, all through the book of Hebrews chapter 11, by faith Noah was warned. What did he do? He built the ark. He heard what God said, and he did something. By faith, Abraham journeyed. God told him. He obeyed. So faith is more than just knowing something. Okay, I know there's a moon up in the sky, but that doesn't change my life. But biblical faith is based upon hearing what God says through his word and then responding to that. So uh, huge, huge in the religious community coming out of the Reformation movement in the 1500s was that it's grace alone or sola grace, the idea that there's nothing we have to do but grace. It's like that roller coaster ride, which I illustrated in a the sermon there. You just sit on the roller coaster, you, you, you hold on to the bar, you take some for a ride, you up and down, you twist this way and that way, and hopefully you come back to the end where you want to be and you get out and there it is. You've enjoyed the journey. And that's how a lot of people think heaven is. I just sit on this and God's going to do it all up and down through life, right and left I go. And when all ends, I'm going to end up in heaven. And all I have to do is hold on to the bar. Well, that's not what we see. And that's why we see passages like Luke 13, verse 3, unless you 
repent, you will all perish. Jesus would say in, in the Great Commission, to those who believe and are baptized will be saved. And so we see that concept, that grace alone is not really the biblical idea. And if we're struggling to understand that, or you're uh, trying to get someone, let's say a co-worker, to understand that point, I, I know a few better places to go that drive that point home than uh, the fifth book of our New Testaments, the Acts of the Apostles, because multiple times we find people who are convicted by the message that they're hearing, they that they're coming to believe that there is light here. God is willing to show me grace, and we read multiple times men and women asking, what must I do to be saved? Roger, I don't know of one example where they were ever told, well, you, you misunderstand. You don't need to do anything. Or God's already taken. It's, it's God's choice. No, there was always an affirmative answer. This is what you must do. Grace is God's choice, but grace isn't all there is to save us. And so places like Acts 2, the multitude, as Peter was preaching, Men and brethren, what shall we do? We think about Acts 9, where we have Saul of Tarsus. Go into the city. It will be told what you must do. The Philippian jailer. jailer. Acts 16. What shall I do to be saved? And to what you just said, never was it said nothing. Never were they given different answers. The answer is always the same answer, and that's to believe in Christ and do what Jesus said to repent, be baptized, and to walk with the Lord. That's the concept we see. All right, you move from there to number three, grace is not looking the other way. Yeah, you know, I think sometimes that's what we get the idea of grace is. Um, You know, in the book of Acts, uh, in the King James Version, it talks about uh, there was a time when God winked at things. And and we get the idea that that you see something that's wrong, you just kind of wink at it, you kind of look the other way. It's not really what that passage means, but I think a lot of people get that idea. And so, so what we have is there's no forgiveness there. It's just, it's just excusing the sin. And so because of that, we make light of sin. Uh, I, I told a little fib, we say, or a total white lie. And it doesn't seem so bad to us because, you know, there's grace and grace will just take care of that. And that's just a, a, a powerful way in which we abuse the grace of God. Uh, the apostle would say in Romans chapter six and verse one about, about sin. Should we keep sinning that grace may abound? No was the answer. We should not do that. And so grace is not looking the other way. Grace is God forgiving us. And the sin and the transgression is gone, not just looking the other way. Our daily Bible reading schedule has taken us through some of the more challenging books of the Old Testament recently. But if we learn anything from Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, surely it is the fact that sin is serious and God's holiness is to be respected. Uh, that's what makes grace so amazing. If there isn't anything serious about sin, if there isn't anything real about God's holiness, well, then grace, maybe it's cheap. But if sin is serious, and it is, God's holiness is to be respected. That's what makes grace so very precious. Finally, Roger, you moved from there. Point number four, grace always makes us feel unworthy. And it does, because we're not deserving of the gift. Uh, 
And when we when we look at our lives, and and this is the story of the Bible from the first pages to the last pages. You know, in, in Genesis three, we have Adam and Eve, and they they violated the law of God. Satan tempted Eve. She listened to she listened to the serpent, and she took the forbidden fruit. And then the serpent left. God had to come and clean it up. And all through the Bible, that's what we see. It, it was our choice. It was our mistake. We're the ones who put ourselves in that hole. And yet, it's God who comes and pulls us out. Romans 5, verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And, and you know, as one journeys longer and longer in Christ, the more he really understands this point is that, you know, I can't believe God would give me a second chance. I can't believe God would still wants me. I can't believe that, uh, you know, God wants me to spend forever with him in heaven because we can just see our mistakes and see our failures and see our sins, but it's the grace of God through faith that makes all this possible. Four things about grace you need to know. It is just one part of a really important, powerful sermon. If you missed that sermon, I would certainly encourage you to go back, watch it, listen to it at charlestownroad.org. Roger, as you drew that sermon to a conclusion, you referenced Paul in 2 Corinthians 9, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. We, we're thankful for the sermon on Sunday. Let's continue to thank God here in the middle of this week for this indescribably precious gift. Of course, we've got the opportunity, Lord willing, this evening to learn more about this God. Roger, you're going to be with adults in the auditorium this evening. Yes, and we are looking through the book of Proverbs, but it's not really a study of Proverbs. We're looking at the concept of honoring God. How does a disciple honor God? And we're using Proverbs as our backdrop of that. And so we're going to continue with that this evening by looking at some principles that talk about our walk with God. Uh, Proverbs brings out so many contrasts between the righteous man, the wicked man, the wise man, the fool. And through all of that, we get this image of the character and the heart that God wants his people to have. Our Building Blocks track of studies is kicking off a brand new Wednesday series. We're exploring this month, what does God want me to be? If you've got a child first grade all the way through high school, we've also got got an adult version of that study. We would love to have you join us. Of course, Roger, we've already mentioned you've got part two coming this coming Sunday. Yes. And so once I've received the grace of God, is that it? And the answer is no. And so we're going to talk about how the word is used afterwards. And because of the grace of God, I have been released from that hole I'm in. I'm a changed person. And what does that look like for a person to be walking in grace all his life? That's 9.30 a.m. this coming Sunday. Roger, thanks for joining me today. Thanks to all of you for listening to This Week at Charlestown Road. We're looking forward to tonight. We're already looking forward to Sunday, the best day of the week, and we would love to have you come and grow with us. 